Welcome to Build a Life After Loss, where we help women who have lost children to build a life of purpose and joy. I'm your host, Julie Clough, Certified Grief Recovery Specialist and Life Coach. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Episode 7, What Others Say and Do. So how has your white week been? It's been a it's been a busy one for me. Um, I own a local business and we have our three year anniversary celebration coming up this very Friday. I'm I'm recording this on a Thursday, so it's actually happening tomorrow, and that's probably what I should be working on right now. But I love talking with you all, and I had this the thoughts for this particular episode, and I just wanted to uh, share that with you. So every year we have this fun event and it's pretty exhausting. And so as I'm planning this anniversary party, I'm also planning a very mellow Saturday. Sometimes that's not possible to do that, but um, this week I am going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to put in that relaxation time and I'm super happy to have that on my calendar this week. How about you? Have you scheduled any time for yourself to relax this week? It's really important that we do that. Before we get started on today's topic, as always, I want to remind you that this podcast is meant to be a resource, a place of hope and encouragement. I want you to please give yourself permission to choose what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. Okay, so let's get started. Let's talk about what others say and do. We spend a lot of time and energy concerned about what others say, think, or do, or what they may say, think, or do. It's a waste of time. No matter what we do in an effort to control what others say, think, or do, they still get to decide. Despite our best efforts, we truly have no control over other people's thoughts and actions. None. It's a horrible feeling. We want to be able to control all of that. We think we do have control because we may have been told, don't hurt their feelings, or you'll make her cry, or won't she be happy when you give her that gift? And so when we think that we have control other, over other people's feelings, we think that we also have control over what they do. So we're going to take a closer look at that. I have a ton of thoughts about this, so we'll see how far we get into it today. Today I'm going to talk about what things people say or do that may upset us and how we have some control over what we allow to upset us and also what we think or do to feel better regardless of what others say or do. So how many times this week have you been affected by something someone said or did? My guess is it's been more than once. I know that's been the case for me too. It's super common for us to worry incessantly about either what people say or what they do. It's in our nature to connect with people. And so when things things happen that immediately make us feel hurt, this appears to break that connection and it makes us uncomfortable. Years ago, I heard a speaker address the idea of worrying about what others think or do. She illustrated it so beautifully. So I wanted to share it with you. Um, she illustrated how it's what we think about what they say or do that causes the problem. It's the meaning we give to their words and actions. She gave an example of walking down the street and seeing someone we know, and for whatever reason, they don't look up and acknowledge us. And if we give that action the meaning of, oh, they just don't like me, then, then that makes us feel bad. But what if we thought oh, they just didn't notice me, or 
she must have been so preoccupied. See how that changes the meaning of what happened, and it also changes the way we feel about it. Remember last week we reviewed what grief recovery meant? Here's a piece from that quote again from the Grief Recovery Handbook. It says, part of grief recovery is being able to forgive others when they say or do things that you know are based on their lack of knowledge about grief. So let's first examine things people say about our loss. Let's look at some common things that people say about grief that may not be helpful and may actually upset us, especially early in our grief, until we take a closer look at it. So here's some examples. Be thankful you have another child. You need to be strong for your other children. God will never give you more than you can handle. Be grateful you had her for as long as you did. He is in a better place. If you have faith, you'll be okay very soon. I know how you feel. I'm sure you can think of some other uh, comments that could be made about your loss that maybe didn't feel, didn't really sit very well with you. I want to suggest that it's not necessarily what they say that upsets us as much as it is what we think about what they say. For example, if someone says, be grateful you had her for as long as you did, your thought might be, I don't want to be grateful. I miss her terribly and I want her here now. Or if someone says, if you have faith, you'll be okay very soon, your thought might be, I have faith, but I am devastated by this loss right now. How dare you question my faith? Or they may say, be thankful you have another child. And you might be thinking, how can you say that? My child can never be replaced or forgotten. Or another common phrase, I know how you feel. And you think, how could you possibly know how I feel? Even a friend who has had a similar loss does not know how you feel, right? It it was interesting for me to realize that after losing our children, that I did not even know how my own husband felt. Like we, it it would appear that we experienced the exact same loss, but our feelings about that loss, our thoughts about that loss were different. We are incapable of getting into other people's brains and they cannot get into ours. So what's the alternative? Well, what if we chose to not take offense? What if we chose to believe that everything that anyone said about our loss was meant in kindness? What if we chose to believe that everyone is just trying to help the best way they know how? The truth is, others are not prepared to help us deal with our loss. I want to suggest that the alternative to being offended is to choose a different thought. Instead of choosing to take offense, we can choose to think, They are doing the best they can. They are only trying to help, which is the case most of the time, right? We can give our friends, our family, coworkers, acquaintances the benefit of the doubt that that they are truly not meaning any offense at all, and they're intending to help. I honestly can't think of a time when someone said something maliciously. Our friends and family especially want us to feel better, so they offer platitudes in hopes of talking us out of our grief. They want us to feel better so they can feel better too. It's scary to see someone you love in pain. Have you seen someone you love in pain? I bet you have. And it is, it's scary to see that. And so our friends and family are scared and they want us, they want to know that we're okay. It's a little easier to have compassion on the friend that is well-meaning, but just really doesn't know what to say. Early on, Um, after our loss, I decided that I was not going to allow anything that anyone said upset me. I don't know why I 
decided that, but I remember making a conscious decision not to allow what anyone said upset me. And I, I, I think it was because I wasn't good at comforting others in their own loss before this. And so what right did I have to judge what they said and did in their attempts to comfort me? This decision has really served me very, very well. I cannot ever emphasize how helpful it was to not be offended by others' attempts to help me. I chose compassion and love instead. I chose to believe that they were doing the best they could, and I loved them for being there for me. Can you think of someone right now who is there for you, even imperfectly, that you can forgive for not saying just the right thing? Remember the example of seeing someone you know and they didn't acknowledge you on the street? In that situation, we can think, they don't like me. And even more dramatically, we could further think, it's proof that nobody likes me. (laughs) That's like, we're just really jumping the shark there. Or we can think something benign, like, they must be so busy and distracted to have not said hello. Sometimes it can appear that someone is truly slighting us. Regardless of what they are thinking, saying, or doing, we still have a choice. The choice to forgive is much more for us than it is for them. This definition of forgiveness from the Grief Recovery Handbook may may be helpful. It's uh, forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. I'm going to say that again because it's a little hard to catch the first time, I think. Forgiveness is giving up the hope of a different or better yesterday. So we're realizing that we can't go back and make yesterday different or better. So we're just going to give up on that hope and we're going to forgive and move on. From the dictionary definition, it says to cease to feel resentment against the offender. So just because we cease to feel resentment, just because we give up on a hope of a different or better yesterday, does that mean that we agree with or condone others' words or actions? Not necessarily. Remember, forgiveness has nothing to do with the other person. If you choose to forgive someone, that does not even mean that you have to tell them. This is for you. You forgive for yourself. So you can let go of expectations and the hope of a different or better yesterday. If someone says or does something that we have a negative reaction to, go inside and ask yourself, what am I thinking about this situation? Is there an alternative thought I could choose that would serve me better? Again, it's the meaning that we give to others' words and actions that gets us into trouble. So another question you can ask yourself is, what am I making this mean? So let me give you another example. For years, I would hear relationship experts suggest that we just need to let our partner know what we need, that we need to express those needs because they can't read our mind. But what happens when you express a need and they still don't do it? This happens all the time, right? What if you've had a very long, stressful day at work and you come home to dirty dishes everywhere again? You're exhausted, and the thought of cleaning up the mess is just too much. Plus, you didn't make the mess. You shouldn't have to clean it up. So once again, you remind your husband or partner emphatically that having a clean kitchen is super important to you, and you would really appreciate it if they would get up and clean the dishes that they used. Let's say you say that, and they choose not to. 
What are your thoughts? You may be thinking nasty thoughts like, I work hard and I shouldn't have to clean up this mess. I deserve to come home to a clean house. The reality is that other adults get to say and do what they want to say and do. And it does us no good to fight with reality. So you have a choice. You can choose to think negative thoughts that don't change anything except to make us feel bad. Or we can choose a different thought that might serve us better, such as, he must be tired too. See how much better that feels? He must be tired too. Anytime we can choose a thought that offers compassion toward another human being is a win-win. They win because they can sense our compassion and goodwill, and we win because it just plain feels better to offer love and compassion. What if you've asked several times before and you're still not getting the response you want? What are you making it mean? If you're not paying attention, you may start to make it mean, he doesn't love me. If he did, he would do what I want. Can you see how dangerous that is? I mean, really, is it really true? I have fallen into this trap myself. Instead, you can ask yourself, what am I making this mean? Is there better thought or belief? For example, of course he loves me. Clean dishes are just not as important to him. Doesn't that feel so much better? Eleanor Roosevelt famously said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. You can certainly adjust that quote to anything we think other people are making us feel. For example, no one can make me feel unlovable without my consent. No one can make me feel angry without my consent. No one can make you feel offended without your consent. We're the ones causing our feelings through our thoughts. Consider this. The quality of your thoughts is the quality of your life. The quality of your thoughts is the quality of your life. Let's choose better thoughts, thoughts that serve us. Let's choose not to be offended. Let's choose more compassion and love. Let's choose it for ourselves because it feels so much better. So today we discuss some things people, people say or do that we may allow to upset us. We also discussed how we can have some control over what we allow to upset us. And we also discussed what we can think or do to feel better, regardless of what others say or do. Thanks for joining me today. Remember to subscribe to Build a Life After Loss so you can get each episode every Wednesday. I hope you found some good nuggets today. Remember, I believe in you. I believe there's a wonderful future ahead. Have a fabulous week.